0: All right. Today at the show, we update the Deshaun Watson case that we discussed the other day. We get into how I first seduced my wife. Well, sort of. Uh, we then are joined by the amazingly fierce Olympic medalist and eight-time national champion, Dotsie Bausch. And we finish off with Sarah's news and make a revelation about what does and does not gross out our resident germaphobe sarah but first let me tell you about next wave yep next wave services is a website design company that provides high quality website design and maintenance work for businesses at a flat Rate. Nextwave was born from the idea that everybody needs access to seamless, reliable, and professional website design and maintenance service on a consistent basis. Nextwave believes that their excellent track record of repeat business is proof of their commitment to delivering first-class service all the time. You can get a free website consultation when you check them out online at nextwaveservices.com. Founded in 1998, which was the year that I married my aforementioned wife. Wow, that's a long time. It's Next Wave Services.
1: It's time now for the Real Men Eat Plants podcast. Your daily dive into sports, pop culture, beer, and food. With a plant-based spin. I'm Dee, and along with news anchor Sarah Carlson, producer Eric Rogers, and today's special guest, silver medalist Dotsie Bausch, here is a man who can rock and or roll, Rich Reynolds.
0: Hello, hello, and what is up? We have made it to yet another day. They keep us on the podcast airwaves. I guess it's not really airwaves. It's more like internet waves or whatever waves are sent out. Uh, That's where you can find us. I'm Rich Reynolds. There's Eric Rogers. There's Sarah Carlson joining us again today. And Eric reminded me right before the show how bad we are at giving out our social media handles i mean i just absolutely awful at it so eric i, I don't know I'll, I'll let you do the honors then on your social media because you're the consistent brand guy on social media
2: yeah it's actually eric rogers brand so whatever social media you are on that's where you'll find me nice
0: and easy there so you I just go i keep it consistent so sarah. simple sarah do you want to be found on social media
3: um <laughs> <laughs> Facebook is the one that I use the most because I'm an old lady.
0: So. Yeah, I'm, you know that's the one that I use the most because I'm an old man, and so um, and that's I'm pro- pro-
3: on Instagram. And I can't. I'm literally on it. This is so edit profile. Here we go. My name. My username is news Sarah. I there something. you go. I'm not a Twitter person, so I tag
2: both of these two in my in my posts anyway. So you'll, you'll okay, find perfect,
0: perfect. Yeah, follow but, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Follow me. We are. I. I don't know if we're that interesting of follows. Actually, I mean, most of the stuff that I put up is Yay. food that I make and stuff that my kids do. Uh, that's basically it. Because again, like Sarah said um you know i'm a lot of I'm, I'm old yeah you know it's and a, a lot of baseball stuff and uh, a lot of sports stuff and speaking of which uh just to to kick off the show we do want to follow up we were talking about the deshaun watson thing a couple of days ago and um i did want to follow up on the fact because there is some more news in this and maybe this will make sarah smile a little bit more um as to where this story is going but um originally uh the Uh, Independent, I guess, uh, arbitrator in the case, Sue Robinson, decided that it was going to be a six-game suspension. That is not binding. Um, In fact, the NFL can take that. And agree to it, or the NFL can do whatever the hell they want to do. Is basically uh, what it seems like. And Roger Goodell, the commissioner, can put down his own suspension, um, or he can recommend that someone else uh, put in a different suspension, and then everybody has to live by it according to the the rules that were um, that, that were uh, bargained. So the the collective bargaining agreement. There's really not much recourse then for deshaun watson so if roger goodell comes out and says hey i want this to be a year-long suspension then it's going to be a year-long suspension is basically how it works now there's a couple things deshaun watson can do but by my understanding eric it looks like the nfl's not happy with the six game suspension and they're going to appeal that it becomes a bigger suspension is that right
2: That is correct. It looks like they are going for that year length. And if you remember earlier in the week, we were talking about this, and Deshaun Watson said he would sue the NFL if they pushed for a longer suspension. So you could probably expect that to come. Um, The other thing that I found interesting about this was the, well, reaction from Robert Griffin III, RG3, and he said, when it comes to protecting women, the NFL has gotten it wrong time and time again. This move to push for a longer suspension is about protecting the brand, giving off the perception of protecting women. as just a byproduct of the situation. So yeah. he's not, you know, he's not buying it.
0: Yeah, and right. I think that the NFL actually right now is in a win-win situation. So even if it turns out to be a six-game suspension, Roger Goodell could say, "Well, we try to make it a year." Right, right. Um, we try. So yeah, so the the NFL looks good. Uh, I guess uh, you know comes down to this clean, like they normally do in in a lot of the stuff. But I, I do think the NFL kind of drops the ball on what they do. So I mean, even things like if you remember Brett Favre. And he got he signed with the the New York Jets, and then there was a reporter yeah. that he was sending um, penis pics to. Right, he was and the so, original
2: Anthony Weiner, yeah,
0: yeah. And so he was sending shots out. And by the way, I'm not sure that this is ever a good idea. So, Sarah, have you ever yeah. received one of those? <laughs> have you ever has a guy ever sent you never sent you a a, a, a penis pic? Nope. Okay. No, um,
3: nobody in my life, no.
0: If they and did. And I don't want one. Okay. I don't
3: I don't <laughs> want-
0: <laughs> she was I, quick to clarify. Yeah.
3: Right. Right. It's not like, oh, no, 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 I, I, no. I'm
0: thinking, yeah, this is the normal reaction that women have. I don't know what guys think is going to happen when they take a snapshot of their junk and send it to a girl, that a girl all of a sudden is going to be like, Oh my goodness. I just gotta, I I gotta do something with that. I I gotta see more. (laughs) I I can't,
3: I can't speak for others though. I, I don't have friends who talk about getting them and liking that, nor did I, although I didn't grow up when we were using, Right. Guys, so. Okay.
0: So you're. So you're. Say. No. Say today. Say right now. We're in the middle of talking, and your fiance sends you a pic like <laughs> oh, no, no,
3: that. No, no. <laughs> I would kill him, you're right. and he wouldn't. So, so
0: it, it's it, it's not going to work on you, Sarah. That's that, that's not going to put no. you in the mood. No. no. Okay. It would and... actually do the opposite. Yeah, and so, and so I don't think anything ever happened to, to Brett Favre when it came to that. Um, but, you know, Robert Kraft, the owner of the oh, uh, that was, Patriots. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, really similar kind of thing that um, Super Deshaun Super inconsistent with yeah. how they handled it. And so um, he, he did kind of the same thing, although he was going to, instead of licensed massage therapists, he was actually going to massage parlors. And so the happy ending was kind of understood. In that whole thing and so I, which makes it
2: even worse yeah. that they just you know the nfl didn't even discipline robert Kraft.
0: no they did not um and so it's it's interesting how the nfl falls on these things and some of the disciplinary stuff it makes me think even to the adrian peterson case which was a big deal uh, a few years ago when he took out a switch and ended up beating his four-year-old child um so badly that he was still bleeding a week later um and in fact had a uh, a laceration on his scrotum, the four-year-old, because he wouldn't share his like PlayStation game control with his brother. Uh, and so he got whipped for that. And then Adrian Peterson faced very little discipline in the whole thing, and there was a lot of back and forth. And, um, you know, I, I just don't know how the NFL – Comes in and out of these things, but anyways, as far as the Deshaun Watson thing goes, um, it looks like the NFL is trying to make it a longer suspension. And to me, from everything I am reading, it looks like they basically just can. I don't know why the whole dog and pony show is going on because it does seem to me, and what I am reading is, is that Roger Goodell could just say, "Nah, I don't like this six-game suspension. I am going to give him a year." And
2: if it- you know what probably happened, is they probably have some deal with Sue Robinson and said, "Hey." put a punishment out there that's like kind of like lenient. And then we're going to say we want a harsher punishment. To make us look
0: good. Yeah. And, you know, when it comes to actually the loss of money for Deshaun Watson, by the way, the Cleveland Browns are pretty smart about it.
2: Yeah, that's a question because that's guaranteed money, supposedly. It's
0: guaranteed money, but the way they did his contract is this first year they were expecting a suspension. So the first year he makes way less Uh. than he does in every other year of the contract. So uh, the the whole thing's just kind of like sleazy and um, kind of gross. And yeah, so anyways, so that tells
2: me the Browns didn't give a shit. They was like, hey, Like, we realize you did some nasty things. Oh, everybody knows he did it.
0: The the only one who doesn't think he did anything wrong was Deshaun Watson. And I I think the reason why he doesn't think he did anything wrong is I guess it worked for him a couple of times where he got consensual sex that way, and he just thought, well, I'm going to keep on going with this. I mean, as a guy, I know if if something works. Yeah, if if something works. I used to have this thing that I did. I I rented a house uh, up up (laughs) in the Dells. No, no, no. Nothing. Sarah's (laughs) Sarah's eyes. <laughs> Nothing like that. I, I I rented a house up in the Dells, and I had like it was a three bedroom house. I was the only one who lived in it. One of the the bedrooms I turned into like a bar room. I had like a, a bar in there, and I had a a jukebox that played forty fives and all of this kind of stuff. And what I would do is I would bring girls back to my place, and then I would have them pick out some songs on the jukebox. I would. Very purposefully keep the temperature in the house very very low, and then I would tell them that the heat didn't work that well, and we could share this down comforter that I got here over oh, on wow. the couch. <laughs> <laughs> and, You're these okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Your wife has heard this story. My, right? my wife was part of that. Hold on. It, 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 oh, oh so <laughs> so it, it worked. I mean, <laughs> it worked numerous times, and it kept working. Like I, I was was working at, at a supper club up in the dells i was a bartender and it was always waitresses that i was bringing back to the place and so finally i did this to my wife and so i i she wasn't my wife yet it was the first time we were you know hanging out and i bring her over to to the house she picks some songs i do the whole it's cold thing we get under the actual down comforter and she turns to me and uh, again my, my wife is from poland and <laughs> a very polish accent she turns to me and she says I've heard about you from all the other girls and just so you know, yeah. <laughs> you are not getting anything tonight. And so, um, I didn't.
3: And that's your wife. And that's why I, I married her.
0: Hell yeah, that's why I married her. And she was the first one to say no to me in, in quite some time. And, uh, you know, my, my charms with the women didn't work. And I, again, so I'm thinking Deshaun Watson had kind of like the same feedback. It worked at some point and so he just kept on doing it and he ended up Uh, pissing off the wrong people because there's a lot of... The difference
2: is you weren't like basically forced. Oh, hell no.
0: No, I mean, no, no. I've always had that that policy that no means no. And and to me, you know, you sometimes say you're like, you're you're kissing, doing the heavy petting thing and all that, and a girl would just be like, well, no, I don't think so. I, I, I was like, pow hands off you know I'm, I'm done i'm not even gonna try at this point to to do anything else and some girls were, were kind of shocked by that they're like well why don't you keep trying i'm like you said no and so to me no was no and i don't want to get in any kind of trouble um at all with with that kind of stuff so anyways um enough about me and my personal life and how i used to seduce women and <laughs> it's, it's like a, a- good <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not bad. I it liked, was
2: it was I like your life.
3: Yeah, it was your a great spouse.
0: house and and I had to I had to marry that one, Sarah. I mean, she she said I wasn't getting any tonight, but I figured I was going to get her eventually and uh marriage was the way that I had to do it. So, so. maybe you were on
2: a mission from that point. I was. Like, yeah, <laughs> there was
0: there was the challenge, you know. And so 24 and a half years later, we are still married and uh still going strong, A couple of kids and all that kind of stuff. So What you
2: need to do is like for your 25th anniversary is like try to reenact that somehow. Like, Joey's gonna be out of the house, <laughs> like, you know... <laughs> But, <laughs> but, but she'd
0: like, "Oh, I've seen this one before." Yeah, but, but dude, if, if I end up react, you know, reenacting it for our anniversary, that means I'm not going to get any on my anniversary, and that's that's not going to work. Uh, maybe she'll soften up. Are, bit, are you know. kidding? The anniversary is like one of the few days that I actually get some. You know, I mean it's it, it's twenty four years of marriage now. <laughs> la, you know, la, 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 it, la, la, it's la, la, few la. and far between. Sarah <laughs> wants to pretend like you don't have sex. I know.
2: <laughs>
1: Sometimes, I don't know.
0: I, I, just gotta... I, I don't know where the show has gone that we've been talking about uh, penis picks and um, marital marital relations and all that kind of stuff. But anyways, um, trying to get back on track. We do have Dotsie Bausch. Coming up um, on the program, and if you've ever watched the movie The Game Changers or watched the Olympics, you might know who Dotsey Bausch is, and she is an eight-time U.S. national champion in um, cycling, and it's speed cycling that what uh, is what she does. Have you guys ever watched speed cycling and see how they do it? Oh yeah, it's friggin' nuts. So they they race yeah. on a wooden ramp that is banked at a 45-degree angle. So if you're not pedaling and pedaling hard, you're going to fall over. Um, it, basically, it's that steep um, as, as far as the angle goes. And so um, there are no brakes on those bikes, which is also kind of weird. So as you're – yeah, no. you, you cannot brake. The only way to slow yourself down is to ride up the hill. And then you gotta stick your feet out and, and stop yourself after that. But they get going at a super fast rate. Um and it's absolutely incredible and it's all coordinated as part of like a four person team where they do two person teams um on it and um the bikes seem to be like inches apart from each other. I don't know how the hell they do it um without crashing and, and doing all that kind of stuff. But Dotsie Bausch, uh, is going to be joining us here in, in just a bit. And I, I bring her up quickly because I, I did want to touch on something. She's going to touch on it too. Um, she had an eating disorder. Um, so she actually had anorexia that she battled, uh, for a long time and, and a lot of health problems because of it. And the one thing that she's always battled and has talked about, and, and, and we haven't really talked enough about on the program. And maybe we're gonna have to save this for later. Cause I think we're running short on time right now, but I got called out for the Lizzo story the other day. So remember, we were talking about Lizzo and the thong thing, and then, you know, Sarah had her...
3: I had a feeling you Yeah,
0: Sarah got, you know, pooping in the marathon and stuff like that. But I got called out, and it's not for what you would think. So I thought I might get called out for, oh, you know, you can't body shame because I I think I had said that I didn't want to see Lizzo in a thong, and somehow then that gets construed as, as body shaming. And what I got called out for was, why are you not talking about the fact that Lizzo is obese? And, uh, you know, your show oh. is supposed to be unafraid and you're supposed to tackle these kind of subjects. And so, so the yeah. opposite. it's like it's mean. like you're not going strong enough. You aren't going far enough on the fact that you okay. know you guys should be talking about obesity and, and the fact that it's one of the things that you're kind of combating and fighting against. And um, the, the epidemic in America is absolutely crazy. And I think, um, you know, maybe we'll we'll table this for tomorrow because and I don't know if we we got to do a quiz show again or something like that but but really quickly if you could yeah. if you would take everybody over the age of 20 in the United States so think about them right now and everybody over 20 that's considered overweight and or obese by the CDC what do you think that number would be
3: in, in our, our country, country I guess CDC, duh. Um, I looked this up already, so I think I know. Oh. I have a general guess. I bet you be 80%. You're, You're
0: pretty darn close, Sarah. So overweight and obese. Yeah, Wait, overweight what? and obese is seventy three point six percent. Now, like straight obesity Damn. is right around the forty percent, it's a little over forty percent. Okay. Yep. That's
2: what I saw. That's which is still which is crazy. So what? over two
0: out of five people are actually obese, but seventy three point six percent of all adults over the age of twenty are either considered to be overweight or obese. Um, or even fall into, the, they don't call it morbid obesity anymore or morbidly obese. It's severe. Yeah, like severe, obesity. Obesity. severe obesity. And so, um, anyway, 73.6% of Americans are overweight or obese. And so, uh, I think it's something that we should definitely table and talk about tomorrow. And uh, we will do that. And on this show. Um, Hell, we got Dotsie Bausch coming up next, and then right after that, Sarah's News. So don't go anywhere. Stick around. We'll talk to the Olympian right after this. All right, I've got something that I think is pretty cool to tell you about right now, and that is our partnership with Paul's Party. That's right. The Real Men Eat Plants podcast has teamed up with Paul's Party, a charity that funds fun, and that's F U N, all capitalized for kids with physical disabilities. Now, here's how it works just go to our website, realmeneatplants.com, and click on the link for our Paul's Party fundraiser all through the month of August. We are splitting funds 50-50 with this awesome charity. Your contribution of six bucks will help pay for the costs of our very fine podcast, as well as raise some serious coin for Paul's party. Now, Paul was a great kid who passed away at the age of 15, but his mom wanted to remember him by having a party on the anniversary of his death to help raise money for local charities. Well, they ended up bringing in over $15,000, and with that, a new 501c3 was born. Paul's Party does some amazing events like Paul Palooza, which is Sunday, August the 28th at the beautiful Wisconsin Brewing Company in Verona, Wisconsin. And yeah, there's going to be bands there all day long. Great food and some delicious Wisconsin Brewing Company beer. You got to like that. Now, I would like to present them a big, fat, oversized check with a generous donation courtesy of our podcast subscribers on that day. Again, just go to our podcast page on realmeneatplants.com or click on the link or go even to patreon.com and type Real Men Eat Plants into the search and give today. Thank you so much for your support and a special thanks to Kathy, Paul's mom, for making all of this possible. All right, guest time now, and our guest today is an Olympic silver medal-winning cyclist, has won eight U.S. championships, two Pan Am gold medals, and is a world record setter. She has a degree in plant-based nutrition, is an advocate for dietary justice, is a podcast host and motivational speaker, and was one of the stars of the movie The Game Changers. Please welcome to the Real Men Eat Plants podcast, Tatsy Bausch.
1: I love it. great. I did I something. did I hit it
0: all I mean I mean that's quite a list there you are pretty well accomplished Nancy did did I hit on everything or did I miss something along the way
1: Oh you did a fabulous job I'm sure we'll find something in there that uh, is is not an accolade but something I did terrible earlier in my life during this interview so we got to get those things in too <laughs>
0: Perfect. So, you know, I, I I'm wondering too here as as we go over all that list, where the heck do you find the time to do all of that? Because I'm only doing you know a, a few things and juggling a few balls in the air. It seems like you got eight balls in the air at once.
1: Well, if all of that that you mentioned was happening at one time, I would completely agree with you. But I'm retired now from cycling, so uh, I really didn't start my full blown activism career and, and switch for good until. Uh, post-London Olympics, which in about two weeks was 10 years ago that I stood on the podium. Wow, ah,
0: wow, wow, wow. Goes It flies, doesn't it? I yeah. Know. And, uh, yeah. you know, I was talking about the, the Game Changer and the Game Changers came out a, a few years ago. The Game Changers to me was like the most inspirational movie of my life. Um, up Aww. until that point, I had struggled with health issues. I was on a bunch of medications. I had actually um, had a couple of small strokes along the way. I mean, I was ramping up, I think, for the big stroke. And then I saw a different path when I turned this movie on and was a total inspiration for me to go plant-based. And I've been plant-based now for Mm. almost three years, and it has made all the difference in the world. My health has improved. I got off all the meds. And I'm sure my story is not unique, and you've probably heard this a thousand times. Am I crazy or is it just me, Doncy? Is that movie, like, that inspirational?
1: Yeah, that they did a fantastic job with it, and and all my my friends, my new friends and old friends that are in in the film, I, I find them very inspirational as well. So I'm with you, right alongside you, feeling like it was a, a game changer of a film. What what was it for you? Was it was it just the whole film together, or were, were there a couple specific stories or pieces of evidence that that really made you want to make the shift?
0: Yeah, it, it was a few things. Um, well, you know, one of them was was your story. I, I think overall, what it was. I, I think that this the message is really geared towards men, and I think beforehand yeah. you you kind of have the stereotype of what vegans are and how they look and how they act and what they do, and and the stereotype gets blown completely out of the water by the game changers. And as a guy who's always been like a guy's guy and likes to watch football and participate in sports and his kids participate in sports, like vegan didn't even seem like an option to me. Going plant-based was never on my radar. And then I watched that movie and I'm like, well, okay those are some pretty like strong people in that movie doing some pretty strong things. And if they could do it plant-based, I guess I can too. And um, I think that's what it was that that spoke to me. And and do you hear that a lot? Because I think, you know, uh, most uh, vegans as I'm finding out are, women and most plant-based people. And I think women, I think are a little bit more open-minded to it. And they don't have the same stereotype, like propaganda that men have to face. Men have to face the, the real men eat meats propaganda that we're fighting, even with the title of our, of our podcast. Do you, do you get that a lot? Is that a movie that spoke to men? And do you find that, that women are usually a little bit more open to BNB? Right. Well, you
1: know, we didn't need the, like, Y- y'all needed the penis scene, you know, we didn't need the <laughs> clitoris scene. We're like fully well aware <laughs> of what makes right. our brain work and what makes our heart work and our arteries also makes down there work. Uh, women are a little bit smarter like that. But I, I think at the end of the day, we're constantly fighting against our conditioning, you know, from when we were little. And who conditioned us? The very people who profit off of us believing them to meet dairy industries. So I think for you know for men they they use the meat industry used that slogan for years I mean literally real men eat meat right and it was just like just carcasses of dead animals all over the TV with like a fork in it and it's like if you're not doing this you're not a man uh, so that film kind of you know unraveled that myth right and 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 helped to unravel the history of why we believe that. And it's because we've been conditioned to believe it, not because it's the truth.
0: Absolutely. So let's, let's talk about you a little bit before we go back, because there is some stuff in the movie I want to cover. And, and you brought up something that I think is going to be a good transition into talking about your podcast. But, but your, your background your, yourself, um, what made you, first of all, Get into cycling because when I look at you racing around a velodrome, uh, I'm thinking to myself, there aren't too many of those that I can go to right now and even practice or try it out if I wanted to. How do you get into a sport like that?
1: Yes, I agree. And I, I grew up in Kentucky, so cycling wasn't really a big thing. Well, it's not really that big anywhere in the United States, right? You have to go to you have to go to Europe uh, for people to really understand it. Uh, I think the guy that just won the Tour de France. Uh, uh, Jonas Vindigo from Denmark. There are more bikes in Denmark than there are cars. Um, wow. So it is, we definitely grew up here with, with people not understanding and not being popular at all. But I found cycling, honestly, I found it by accident. I, I, I grew up uh, riding horses and competing in saddlebred um, horseback riding. So I grew up as a competitor, but I wouldn't say I grew up as an athlete because to me, the horse is the athlete in, in that, in that event. So I fast forward post college, I was, um, I became very ill with anorexia uh, for a variety of different reasons. And that's a, you know, that's probably a whole nother podcast. But uh, as I was coming out of that very dark period of time, and as I was gaining my life back, and as I was working through therapy, uh, and learning to heal and learning a new way forward, my therapist said to me, uh, you know, I I know, Dotsy that you don't won't consider yourself fully well until you're moving your body in a healthy way again, too, because I hadn't done that for so long. I had been destroying my body and I hadn't been able to move it in a healthy way. I had the overexercise disorder that oftentimes comes along with anorexia. So I had just been beating it up, bludgeoning away uh, at my body for, for those years while I was sick. And so she said, you know, I think that you're ready to pick something, some, whether you want to call it a sport, an activity, a movement, something healthy, uh, that, that you can do. And I was living out in Los Angeles by the time where it's sunny pretty much every day and, and, and a, and a moderate temperature. And so I said, what about cycling? I feel like if I got a bike, I could just continue my recovery. It just, it just to me just felt like, oh gosh, that'll be so free riding up and down. Pacific Coast Highway and into the mountains and just feeling the wind in my face and feeling free, quite literally, from from all of the uh, confines of, of my illness. So that's what I did. But then I fell in love with it. And then I got moderately good at it and then I try to race, and then 14 years later, I was on the Olympic podium. So it's not uh, your typical story, because I got on a bike at 26 and stood on the Olympic podium, as you know, for the film, just a few months before my 40th birthday. Uh, but it is my story. It is what happened, and, and it's definitely a story of uh, pursuing uh, what you love, because I never thought in a million years that I was gonna be you know, in the Olympics, I loved watching them as a little girl, but there, that was, it was never really something that came into my uh, frame of reality really until about a couple of years before, because you don't, you know, it, you, you don't know you're going to make the Olympic team until weeks before the actual Olympics. But I knew I was on, um, there was a possibility that I could make the team two, two and a half years before. So I actually started my career on the road. And so I I raced on the road for 10 years and that, that is a little bit more, People have a little bit more awareness around that they do the velodrome track, but I have a, my kind of talent well lies in that, or that middle distance. So I'm good with oxygen and without, so aerobic and anaerobic, I've got kind of like that mix. And so it makes me a more gifted in the middle distance, which is what the track is and, and uh, the team pursuit. So anyway, ended up there and loved it.
0: Yeah, you ended up finding your spot. You, you definitely won a lot in doing it, but I, I tell you, which one did you like better? Do you like being on the road? Do you like being on the velodrome?
1: Well, you know, it's funny because I I love them both, of course, and, and they both have a, a special place in my heart historically. Uh, now I ride the road a, a lot more because I don't, I don't feel like driving 45 minutes to get up to the track right. <laughs> where it is in Los Angeles. But um, I switched over from the track to the road because I, I, um, I was, I was scared to death of it, quite frankly. And I, I wanted to see what it felt like to try and conquer something that I had such a fear of. I, for those that don't know a velodrome, it's, it's banked 45 degrees. So when you're in either one of the corners and you look up from the rafters, it, it literally looks like you're looking straight down, like a four story building. Um uh, so it's, it's terrifying to ride on track bikes They're single, um, Single gears and they have no brakes and you use the the, the track and you use the, uh, you know, the wood. It's made of Siberian pine, so we, we call it using the wood uh, to modulate your speed going up and down. Um, but if you ride around at the top, you know, as you can imagine, it's, it's, you can look straight down and it never really made sense to me that the tires stick. You do have to go a certain speed for the tires to stick. I mean, you will slide down the track, which I have done, uh, if, if you're not at a at, you know a speed that makes you sticky enough. But the first time I tried this track, it was one of the most exhilarating things I've ever experienced, and part of that was because there was so much fear around it. And so I said, I got, I, I have to, I have to, I have to try this. I have to see if I can conquer the fear. I never totally conquered the fear. Uh, I didn't. Um, it was all the way to the Olympics. It, you know, the top of the track still scares me to this day. But I kind of like that. I, I kind of like something i won an Olympic medal and still scares the bejesus out of me.
0: So, yeah, I, I think that little bit of fear actually <laughs> makes you feel alive, doesn't it? You know? Oh, right. it
1: does. I, it does. does. <laughs> I miss it. I miss being really, really scared of something because it, it I don't think there's anything that makes you feel that alive. And, and right. yeah.
0: Well, I'm, yeah. I'm sure. So yeah. tell me, how do you marry that? And being a world-class athlete would say, you know what? I'm ditching meat. I'm ditching dairy because a a lot of people that I know that are athletes, and my son plays college baseball, and they've always tried to push on him uh, animal proteins and protein and protein. You got to have the, you know, whey protein and you got to eat eggs. and You got to eat steak and you got to eat chicken. Yeah. And he just felt sick doing it, wasn't able to actually gain weight. And when he transitioned to almost an entire plant-based diet, all of a sudden he was gaining weight, feeling better, doing things that he couldn't do before. Well, what was it for you? What, what made you switch and say, you know what, I'm going to give this a try. And then it ended up working for you and you stuck with. It.
1: Yeah. Well, there's that conditioning again, right? Like mm-hmm. they, they're they just conditioned to, to, to say that and believe that. Um, but gosh, I, you know, I, I actually came into um, plant-based diet and veganism through the ethical route. I was racing on the road at the time and kind of came across the understanding of what goes on behind closed doors to animals in our, in our food system. And I just, I can only describe it as just a. It was just I just had a soul shift. I grew up with animals, as I mentioned, but not just horses, and dogs, and cats, and rabbits, and gerbils, and and I I I, I love them so deeply, and spend a lot of time with animals, and I think I just had that 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 moment where my soul connected that all animals are the same. <laughs> we're animals. We're all the same, right? We're we're all curious. We all want to be with our families. We we all have um, a variety of different emotions. And I just, it just, I just kind of made that connection. And, and, and almost overnight, it was like, oh, I can't, I can't eat my friends. Holy shit. What? Oh my God. I'm trying to make an Olympic team. And I believed all the conditioning that you're speaking about with your son and the baseball team. It was the same thing. I trained for years at Olympic training centers and, and all of the cafeterias there and all the recovery bars filled with whey protein and milk and cottage cheese and yogurt and all of it. So, I mean, I'm at this point. I'm I'm 35 and a half. I've eaten animals, and an animal was on every plate at every meal for 35 years. So, I just said, "Okay, here's the deal. I'm doing this because I can't not do it." So, you know, this is one of those things in your that it happens to you in your life. It's like I, I'm doing this, and so I remember praying to a God I don't believe in, but <laughs> please just make me stay the same please, please just make me stay the same. Like if I eat this new way, then if it just, if I just stay the same, then maybe I can make the one because I'm on the path right now. So, so, so off I go. That's, that's, the that's the prayer. I stay the same. And I was doing pretty well, right? It was pretty strong. I was definitely in the running to make the team. And I move over to a plant-based diet is just kind of like a lot of research and a lot of Googling and just a lot of what I already like to eat and just sort of figuring it out and, and laying the meals out and feeling like it was delicious pretty early on, right? Because you can do all the same spices and all the wonderful flavors that you can do with meat. You can put on vegetables and grains and legumes and nuts and seeds and everything. So I'm feeling like, okay, this is pretty yummy. I'm satiated. I'm good. And then I start feeling just peppier, like more energetic, like we know, I was kind of old at the time, I was you know ten years older than my, my, my teammates, 20 years older than the competitors in London. so recovery was a big deal, and uh, you know I'm fighting'm fighting the, fight in the age there uh so like, all right, all right, I start getting up in the morning and there's like a kick in my step and I don't feel as lethargic and I don't feel as inflamed and I don't feel as weighted down, bobbed down. A lot of athletes will refer to when they get up in the morning, it's like an exercise hangover, which feels really similar to an alcohol hangover, right? Just everything. I'm like, I didn't feel that way. Then I start during my training, track cyclists, many athletes train two or three times a day. So, you know, it's train, eat, rest, train, eat, rest, you know, it's just super monotonous. But in between training sessions, I'm, you know, eating something, but it's all plants. And I'm just digesting like that. And I'm just feeling like energetic and powerful and peppy in my next workout and my third workout. And then I just start producing numbers that my coaches are like, what is happening? And so it was one of these things that's like, I wasn't expecting any of that because I didn't go at it for my performance to promote you know, and produce better performances like so many athletes now. But this is, you know, like I said, this is 10 years ago. Really, this got 12 and a half years when I started. There wasn't a lot of conversation about it. Well, I'd say there was no conversation about it at the point. I mean, you know, we had like Brendan Brazier, uh, you know, Robert Cheek. And, but they were dudes. And so I didn't have, a I didn't have a woman at all that I knew of. Um, there were some that, that I knew of to, to look up to or to emulate or to help me or anything. Um, so I didn't know what to expect. But it, it's kind of like a, I feel like it was sort of like a gift from the universe almost that, you know, that it, it totally made me stronger and faster and better and more powerful.
0: Yeah. And something that's actually turned into a crusade for you. And maybe a lot of people that have seen the Game Changers might not know about Switch for Good. And so we do our podcast from behind the Cheddar Curtain in Madison, Wisconsin. I mean, we are in cheese country and dairy land USA right here. But dairy is one of those things. I mean, I, I cringe now when, when I think about no. eating dairy or drinking a glass. Of milk. I mean, for me, it was a glass of milk before bed every night. And, you know, I I lived on milk and cheese and dairy uh, you know yogurt and all that kind of good stuff um that's not so good for you at all and so switch for good kind of combats that idea if you could tell us about about switch for good and 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 that crusade that that you're on which i think is absolutely wonderful
1: oh thank you yeah well we started Uh, a a little under four years ago and uh, we are entirely and completely evidence-based, which is I think one of the most important aspects because there's so much misinformation out there about animal foods and especially dairy, right? Because dairy talk about conditioning, right? That's, that's been sold to us uh, since I can remember, since I was a little girl uh, that milk does a body good. So we are advocating uh, very passionately for a dairy free world. Uh, And, you know, like I said, I think we've accepted for far too long um, all the distortion and misinformation that that big dairy feeds us. So um, we are here to uh, set the record straight uh, and and help people uh, help themselves. And 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 you know you can benefit from ditching dairy. It, literally, if you're just looking to improve your health a little bit, get a little bit more energy raise a family, certainly optimize athletic performance, protect the environment, or even stand up for dietary and social justice. Um, you know, getting, getting dairy out of your life. There's, there's benefits in all of, uh, those pieces that I've mentioned. So we kind of focus in, in three different areas because it's our belief that these three areas are what will eventually, uh, you know, kind of bend, bend towards justice, bend us towards justice. And so it's. governmental, uh, legislation policy change. Um, it's corporate policy change as well. And then it's culture change. So we have different programs and projects in each of those kind of three areas or three touch points. I like to call them, um, to, you know, promote ethical lifestyles and, and, and and widespread behavior change related to how we eat.
0: Which is great stuff, and you got the podcast to go along with it, the Switch for Good podcast, we do. Yeah, yeah, which you do with Alexandra Paul, and I was like, oh my goodness, wow, there she is, because um, I remember her from Baywatch. Now, now I grew up during that time when Baywatch was the thing; it was huge, it was a worldwide oh hit, and you know everybody right away is always like, yeah, Pamela Anderson and CJ. I wasn't that guy. I'm a sucker for brunettes, and so Alexandra Paul <laughs> was always on my radar. She had my heart. You know, I was a Stephanie fan uh, of the, on Baywatch uh, for sure. Tell me what what it's like yeah. to do that podcast with her, because if there's anybody who puts their money where their mouth is. It is Alexandra, isn't it? I mean, this girl yeah. gets arrested a lot uh, doing, <laughs> doing the thing that, that everybody, I think, wishes that they could do. And that's, that's saving animals from, from certain slaughter. And, uh, you know, she, yeah. she definitely puts herself out there. What's it like working with, with her and, and, and talk about that podcast a little bit? Because that's good stuff.
1: Yeah, you'll have to have her on because I'm so glad that you know about her, her activism life. She's, you know, obviously been an extraordinary actress for years since she was like 14 um but she is quite frankly uh the the, the kindest human i have ever met mm. it's it's it, she's mind blowing in that in that category I, I just just everything she does and says and is and stands for is just comes from the purest place uh she's just so lovely and at the same time a serious badass I mean, like you said, I think she's been arrested over 20 times. I think we're at 20 and over at this point. We, I say we, I've never been arrested. We, no, I have for shoplifting when I was a little bit, um, when I was younger, but um, don't want to lie, but not for animal activism. And it's almost kind of like a dream. And so I should probably start hanging out with her on the streets more, right? We're sure we, know I can just make my dream come true and get arrested once, standing up for animals. But she does undercover work. She does undercover investigation. She's always somewhere, always doing something, always moving it forward. Um, she was huge, uh, huge player this year, um, in, uh, an act that went before Congress that, uh, that passed in completely changing the game around testing on animals. Uh, and, and just using science because there's so much science that shows that it, 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 you know, it, it almost never transfers um, from animals to humans, right? Almost, almost all the studies they do, it's like one percent of the time. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Uh, but for years and years and years and years, there's just been so much money to uh, do research projects that test on animals. Um, so it's called the FDA Modernization Act, and in that is a, a huge section on completely changing from animal testing uh, to other. Uh, you know, scientifically proven ways to to test not using animals. So, yeah, you, you, you should she, you should have her on. She's, yeah. she's fantastic. I, I would
0: absolutely love to and talk about some of those podcasts. You know, I was going through some of your podcasts and listening to them. And uh, it was funny because in The Game Changers, there's a very famous scene with Dr. Aaron Spitz who actually has three college baseball players on and they do a test. Now, Dr. Aaron Spitz is known as the penis doctor. He wrote the book on it. It's called The (laughs) Penis Book. And um, it's funny to me, though, that, you know, here's you and Alexandra having Dr. Aaron Spitz on talking for an hour about the penis. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, these are very (laughs) ladylike ladies and doing a show uh, about the penis. I was thinking to myself, you know, I, I don't know if that would work in reverse. If if Eric and I are going to have a show about, about the female <laughs> body parts, I, I don't think it's going to work that way. Talk, talk about that. And and, and talking to, to, to Dr. Spitz then too, because I I, I think that's a trip. It, it also kind of shows there's, there's no subject that you won't handle on on your podcast.
1: No, we're, no. I mean, right. You just, you gotta be raw and real and, Dr. Aaron, you know, always says that his work, his book is for people with penises and who, and for people who like penises. So I guess Alexander and I are in the, 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 the second category. And people are just going to have to listen to that episode, aren't they? It's, it's yeah. really fantastic. I mean, Aaron, Aaron is just full of uh, uh, evidence-based information. So you learn a ton, but we have we have a great time too. Just just talking about the unit uh, that it's not a muscle. I learned in that podcast, right? It's just a bunch of blood vessels, no muscle in it at all. Which kind of explains what it looks like when it's down and sad. Uh, so there you go. That's the first thing I told my husband. It's not a muscle.
0: Yep. <laughs> I, I about- think it's funny though. W- one of the points that he makes in your podcast, and, and it's really kind of true, is that that's kind of a barometer, I mean, for men's health. I mean, if there's something that's going to go wrong in your body, you can start there. And if it's not working right, and I, I think, that, I mean, if there's anything... That's going to make a man wake up and say, "Hey, maybe I should give this plant-based thing a try, and maybe incorporate—even if I'm not going to go fully like—incorporate a lot more plants into my diet and and restrict uh, the amount of meat and dairy that I'm, I'm putting into my body. If that ain't going to convince you, I don't know what's going to convince you as a man, right?
1: <laughs> I know. I think he's. I think he's probably does the best marketing uh, for cardi- cardiologists on planet Earth because people come to him first for erectile dysfunction, which is one of the key signs that you may have coronary artery disease or that it's the beginning of coronary artery disease, right? So uh, he says, go see the cardiologist right after the year. Um, so, so hey, what, yeah. What, I, I,
0: what is next for you, Dotsy? Now, at 26, which is kind of late to be taking up a sport, you took up a sport, <laughs> and you end up being on the podium in the Olympics and an, uh, a multi-time national champion. What, what's next for you? What, what's the next endeavor? Well, what are you saying, you know what, uh, by, by the time I hit, uh, for you to be 39, I think is, is the next big one to hit or or, or the big four. What's, what, what, what's next for you to hit? What do you think is in the future for you?
1: I know. I'm ready. It's. And I'm a couple months away from the big five zero, and that just is very scary. You would both. Um, I know. It's like, what's happening? So maybe I don't know. Maybe relax a little bit. Maybe I should shouldn't have a whole list of things. But no, my. I mean, right now, my heart and my work and my energy and my force is is uh, is with Switch for Good. We've made some uh, some really big strides uh, in the U.S. Um, uh, you know, legislation-wise, and 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 massive strides, and culture change-wise. Um, since we've been here, we've reached three hundred and seventy-six million people. Wow! Uh, in in the time since we've been alive, with, as as it or as an organization as a nonprofit, so um, just hammering home, continuing to you know find the ways to reach people who want to be reached. Right? Not everybody. Not, every, not everyone is open to the message. And, and I think the best way to connect with people and to reach people is to meet them where they are. And um, that's what we're extremely focused on. So, you know, I won't be the executive director of Switch forever, but um, I do have a, a a desire and a dream to see it live um, long past, you know, w- when I'm here running it and, and probably long past my my lifetime, because I think we're going to be fighting this battle. Um, for, for more years than, than you and I will probably be here on the planet. So that's, yeah, that's the dream. I, I
0: bet you're right. The uh, Twitter handle is at switch4good. The, it's Switch, the number four, and good. Um, also, the website is Switch, the number four, the word good.org. So, SwitchForGood.org. You, you're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, all of that good stuff. Uh, people should definitely check you out. And if they haven't checked you out on the yeah. game changers yet, They've got to check you out there because I tell you what, heart-stopping stuff right there, Dottie. It really was inspirational, or, or Dotsy and 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 great to have you on because, uh, I, I mean, for, for me, when I saw that and, and you being a part of that, it really did change my life, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. And so what you're doing is is good stuff.
1: Well, thanks. That means a lot. It's because I was the old one in there, and you're old like me, so you're like, hey, she can do it
0: doing
1: <laughs> I'm sure, that was. <laughs> We're not twenty-one because there is kind of yeah. an idea. Like I think you know, if you're twenty, I mean, I'd rather be eating plants, but you're probably going to be a great athlete at twenty, whatever the hell you put in your body. Because so many of them put McDonald's in their body, but it's not going to happen at thirty-nine. That's right. You are not going to be. You know what I mean? So it's a, it's a, it's a proof right there.
0: Damn straight. Plants. You are speaking the truth. So, Dotsy, thank you so much. Dotsy Bausch, our guest on the Real Men Eat Plants podcast. All right. Time to tell you about Veg Reg. Yeah. Vegreg.com helps you find plant based restaurants and businesses in just one click and if you are a vegan friendly business they can help you get found if you're searching for healthy cruelty free meal options in your local area veg reg is the perfect solution another great thing about veg reg they have recipes and when i say recipes i mean real recipes a bacon lovers blt cookie dough protein bites penne arabiata, now that's the entree and not the character from the Sopranos, and even a vanilla bean, that's vanilla bean he said cheesecake, and they are all plant based. You can also find Spotlight Vegan Businesses and more when you click on over to VegReg.com. I would say tell them that Rich sent you, but you know it's a website and no one would hear you. That's VegReg.com Welcome To Sheila Select. The whole system will be
2: ready in a few minutes. Take your sis and enjoy.
1: Everyone has a story that's built on thousands of hows, whys, and whats. Join myself, Chris Sheeler, as I dive into how people live their lives, why they do what they do, and what goes through their mind while they do it. If you love learning and what makes people tick, my podcast, Sheila Select, has you covered. New episodes every Monday. Find it on YouTube, Spotify, Apple or just anywhere you get a podcast
0: she's a mom with vegetables she's so delectable the cows and pigs she sent
3: them free can't you see she's a hot chickpea. veggie do just for you sit on down there's these are two She she's so delectable cows and pigs she set them free can't you see she's a hot chickpea veggie stew just for you sit on down there's dessert too
0: we know what the music means it means it's time for sarah and her news and sarah carlson take it away
3: hello everybody well first story which struck me uh A new study showing that eating processed foods can increase your risk of dementia up to 25%. I have a lot on this story, a lot of numbers here, but, man, that's a lot. So, of course, there are other factors um, that can influence this. Dementia. Genetics, lifestyle, they're included. But this new study focused on processed and packaged foods as a major contributor as far as how your brain ages a major one so it fyi according to the world health organization dementia is the seventh leading cause of death wow among all diseases i, I guess wow. i wouldn't have
2: known yeah, that so like, like well, that number always only going to go up too
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Alzheimer's is a big part of that. And I don't know if um, you guys are familiar with Dr. Michael Greger. But anyways, um, if you go on nutritionfacts.org, Dr. Greger um, is kind of a superstar in this kind of research. And one thing that they've been able to tie to... Um, through studies and through and he only uses so like nutritionfacts.org is different so the the studies that they use are double blind peer-reviewed they have no support from any group so say like a lot of reports that come out might be funded by the dairy industry or the meat industry or something like that there's no one like that that funds these kind of studies and he's been able to link Alzheimer's to actually eating so you're talking about but processed food um meat especially um there's some dairy as well but then like especially processed meats and processed meats are so bad for you but what they're finding out is is that it it constricts your your blood flow so like the again going back to the endothelial linings in, in your artery and if that's constricted then the blood in your brain doesn't fire quite the same. And ah, here we go, the onset of dementia and Alzheimer's. And um, right. so there's it really a lot to this and a lot that we're finding out. I mean, eventually, Sarah, and this, this might gross you out again, and I, I'm finding that it's okay. particularly easy to gross you out. Um, <laughs> medicine <laughs> might become the study of poop. Um, basically what more and more doctors are finding out is you can find out everybody's health and everything about their health just by studying their fecal matter. And so when you go to the doctor in the future, and this we're talking about near future, it might be with a bag of poop in hand, um, ready to hand over. And they're going to tell you everything that you need to know about yourself, basically by uh. what you're crapping out.
3: I got to tell you, Rich, it does not gross me out, because I think, well, that's what I do for my dog, and I love my dog, and right? I don't mind bringing the fecal matter bag, so I guess that makes sense.
0: I, I don't know. I mean, even to me, I, I'm not grossed out by a lot of things. Like, like, yeah. you, you wouldn't want to sit on Lizzo's chair after she was sitting on it with the, the nothing but the thong on. Anyone. Yeah. Anyone. <laughs> And, and, she's and, I poop love poop particles. particles. Right, but but yeah. but the poop thing. All right, all right. So I'm I'm finding something out here. Poop doesn't seem to gross you out. There was there you are in the marathon and the woman's pooping right in front of you and you're like, "You go girl. Um you're you're <laughs> okay." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're much- you're okay with that? Okay, all right. Learning,
3: yeah. they they are two def- definitely two different sides of what grows. I what guess so. It. Okay, we're
0: we're learning a that's new side. That's good Sarah. shit, there, Sarah. Yeah, that's.
3: <laughs> yeah, uh, there you go. It certainly is. Okay, that's we gotta talk why about we have Eric boys.
0: on the show right there. <laughs> Lines Bringing like you that. you
3: back to dementia, you have to hear this because the study was just published. I don't want to bore you because it's not about you know what we were just talking about, but. It was by the American Academy of Neurology. And as someone who's had a neurological condition, I trust this. And they analyzed the diets of 72,000 people, 55 and older, for 10 years. Okay? That's a big study to Mm -hmm. just have come out. And they found that for every, now this is a focus on numbers here, for every 10% increase in daily ultra processed food consumption, these participants had a 25% higher risk of dementia. And there are a lot of people, we just talked about that 70 some percent that's um, either overweight or obese. These people are eating ultra processed foods uh, regularly. So now the good news, I'll give you a piece of good news from this. Small diet changes can make a big difference. So decreasing, let's say someone hears this and goes, oh boy. So you decrease these ultra processed foods by 50 grams a day. And people don't get grams. So that means like one chocolate bar or a serving of fried fish. That can lower your risk of by 3%. That's just changing it a little bit. So hopefully someone will hear this and go, huh, okay. <laughs> you know, I, I already have this in my um, family. In my DNA, why don't I, you know,
2: lower what I'm eating and see what I can do about it? Well, that's not a a huge change because you can take, like, go to the grocery store, whatever thing you buy normally that is processed, buy just the alternative, healthier version of that, and that's already
0: helping the situation absolutely you know but it's funny though people don't normally make that connection so whatever cognitive dissonance that there is i mean for me for 46 years i was not the healthiest guy and i never put it together that oh maybe it's what i'm eating is making me unhealthy and so i i don't think a lot of people make that association i think where it needs to start more than anything else is with kids in schools and so it what they teach the kids seems to stick with them for a while like when i was in you know a, a little kid we didn't wear seatbelts in the car we would jump around in, in cars and big station wagons you had the station wagon yeah. with the,
2: with the- Third seat in the back. Oh, I I loved it. In fact, you know, yeah.
0: my, my parents had the station wagon with with the third seat in the back, and it, it kind of folded upwards, and the two seats faced each other. You weren't even like facing Hell towards yeah. the road, and there were no oh, yeah. seatbelts even there. I mean, it, so you couldn't even wear them. <laughs> and so, but there was a big push on to to buckle up, buckle up, buckle up, and it started in the schools. And, and it seems like now, even though I was raised without seatbelts, I wouldn't even consider, like, going down the road without having a seatbelt on. That's how ingrained it is in my head. But it started when I was a kid. And so until this, like, information gets to the, the children's level, until we actually get it into schools, I don't think a lot of people are going to make that association because they're just really – I mean, it, it's sad to say there aren't very, uh, a lot of very open-minded adults that even when they're faced with new information, if they hear information like that, they always think, oh, no, that's not true, or oh, that can't be, or I've always done it this way. And so yeah, people don't make that connection. So, I mean, I, I love that more and more of these studies are coming out. I hope that they work, and Sarah, keep reporting on them. But, you know, who knows what, what people are going to do? It seems like a lot of times and I don't people know, are going to do I don't
3: know, do. Rich, if it will be schools as much as maybe parents, new generations of parents that we're seeing out here. But also, um, kids, so to speak, I consider mine kids, but they're soon to be adults, uh, looking at the world differently, and also oh, having- they are. Art. Yeah. And then also having, and this is my next story, new role models who they look at, okay, Billie Eilish. Yes. Apparently, she's winning Celebrity of the Vegan World with me so far. This Veg News site listed 11 ways, I had a hard time kind of trying to- break this down so I didn't have to talk for a half hour, but listing the ways that she is, quote, paving the way for a vegan future. So, sorry parents, sorry schools. I think that people who love her and other celebrities, that's going to have a huge impact in social media and so on and so forth. So, get this. Billie Eilish, she's only 19, okay? She turned vegan at 12. Apparently she had an activist mother. Um, She's recruiting vegan. So that's kind of her gig. She gets angry about things and not afraid to voice her opinions on Instagram. And she has 104 million Instagram followers and more to come, I imagine. So get this, she joined the Healthy Future Students and Earth Act as the celebrity and went to Capitol Hill with them to propose legislation that making plant-based school meals more accessible in schools. Okay. So she's people like this. Unfortunately, sometimes it takes a celebrity for someone to go, Oh shoot, we got to pay attention. Right. Um, she turned London's major arena vegan for six days during a climate action event of hers. So she's got all these issues in the palm of her hand. And even though I know a lot of people say, Oh, well, we don't want to make it just celebrities that our kids are following this kind of, Not so bad. Yeah, Europeans, by the
0: way, too, um, are way ahead of us when it comes to – eating more plant-based stuff, yeah. even a lot of their, their food trucks, uh, a lot of their, you know, um, uh, um grocery stuff like that. I mean, it's all plant-based. In fact, I, I was just reading about how in the UK, over 40% of their population now associates with being plant-based. Um, and, and so a lot of them are trying out all kinds wow. of new things. I mean, it, it, they're, they're so far ahead We're you know, in the U S it's about 3% of, of the population is, is plant-based. So it, it's, it's a, big difference in what's going on in Europe and what's going on here. So it doesn't surprise me that, yeah. you know, if, if there's a, uh, I guess, a movement or a theme uh, that, that's going to work uh, as far as uh, veganism or plant-based goes, it, it seems like Europe's going to lead the way on a lot of that stuff.
3: Exactly. And I have to uh, finish because it was 11 ways. I don't want to bore you, but I'll make this part quick. She partnered with Nike to create Vegan Kicks, her vegan perfume apparently is popular, and she gives back. So she's she's not just walking the walk here. She's financially saying, here you go. You would think you know, that perfumes I, I and colognes and
0: stuff like that would all be, like, you know, vegan. But the thing is, do you know how many of them have, like... Rhinoceros urine and like beaver gland secretion in there, you know. So like even like imitation vanilla has like like secretions from beaver glands, and I'm like, no, don't don't. Say no, that's that. true. That's
3: what grosses me out. That,
2: that's absolutely true, and,
0: and it's really so gross. we're putting beaver gland
2: secretions
0: in my brain. yeah if you're using imitation vanilla and and so
2: imitation
3: yeah imitation
0: yeah imitation vanilla use the real stuff. yeah so so there you go that that <laughs> hopefully just all comes from the vanilla bean but yeah I mean a rhinoceros urine is in the polo uh, and you know like how Hot out here in these right? Yeah, <laughs> does that even start like who's the first one to say yeah, yeah i want to splash a little you know rhinoceros piss behind my ear and on my neck like,
3: <laughs> like what are you doing well and and, and might i say like there, there could be a very i don't know um kind way to collect urine from a urine rhinoceros I guess. it has to go to the bathroom but why you're right who discovered that that could Smell good.
2: Someone with a pee cake. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You've been watching too many German videos, there, Eric. I think. <laughs> <laughs> is that a German I, I, thing? I think it is. I I, I, I don't know. Okay, um, Sarah. Educate yeah, us, I, Rich. I, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Uh, I I've never even I've never even <laughs> seen websites like that. Um, uh, Sarah, we have time for one more story. If you could sneak in it in.
3: Oh good, good. Because this one I, I found this morning actually. <laughs> Nestle joining the ranks of Beyond and Impossible. They want to get involved with the vegan beef made for No Moo. This is a I think it's a is a store or is it just a a, a brand? brand, yeah. Okay. So like like
0: no moo okay. meaning like no cows kind of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Of yep.
3: course, and I and I eat a lot of uh, Impossible and other things. I just haven't seen No moves. so I was kind of going okay. But Nestle is huge, and they're moving toward a goal of becoming a national brand. So this—that's why you know here we'd see it with the help of uh, Nestle. They would do things with um, improved line of plant based meals, providing this operational benefits, so less labor. They're not just talking about this, but the people, um, less labor, lower food cost less waste, um, extended shelf life and storage time. That's one of the problems I find with some of the impossible broths that I'll go, okay, I, I know I it's hard to find them sometimes in the stores I go to. I buy them and I don't freeze them and I'm like, dang. And that's a lot of money. So, No Moo and Nestle have already created a new pea protein-based vegan burger that yeah, yeah, ate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: not not like rhinoceros pea, <laughs> but yeah.
3: Right. No, it's a, a pea, it's hard to say, pea protein-based vegan burger. Say that one more time. They're launching it in October. So under this partnership, the two businesses are developing the vegan chicken burgers, vegan cheese. And then, you know, the next part of the story says, could no moo be the next five guys? Hmm. So
0: Interesting. I'm, I'm,
3: I'm, I'm pumped. I want to okay. have just a, a place to go for us. I take my son to Five Guys and their veggie sandwich is the two buns with American cheese and vegeta- vegetables.
0: Sick. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's not even trying.
3: That's, like, you got to get, get a veggie burger at every place. It's, that's, yeah, that's, that's not even trying.
2: That, that's a burger without the yeah. burger in it. Yeah,
3: that's, and that's how I used to have to order as a kid. I'll never forget McDonald's. I Finally, my parents realized she's not going to eat meat, but... When we were, you know, desperate and on the road, my meal would be, uh, th- they would say, can you just put cheese on a, che- in a cheeseburger but leave the burger out? And I'll never forget so many people looking at us like, what are they saying? Just a, a grilled cheese, essentially. Right. That's right. what I would have yeah. to eat.
0: No, and I tell you what, yeah. you want to try something gross. Uh, so did anybody ever get on that Atkins kick that was big, like maybe like 20 years ago? So for the Atkins... Yeah, the Atkins diet, it was like you could eat all the meat and cheese and...
2: How was that? That that made zero sense. the All right, from the so I, I was
0: okay. on it for like about two months, and you do lose weight, and then you do end up getting like brain fog, and so your your brain is powered by glucose, nice. and so if you don't get any glucose, uh, your brain ceases to function, and you end up with this horrible brain fog. I mean, it's just terrible for you. And it's terrible for your arteries and everything. But you lost weight. I mean, there was some benefit to like losing weight. But anyways, on the Atkins diet, I remember going to McDonald's and ordering a Big Mac, okay, and then just eating the meat. Like, I just took the meat out um, and started eating the meat. You want to talk about something that's really freaking gross? Try a plain patty that's used for a, a burger at McDonald's. My God. I mean, st-
2: Pretty quickly, you find. Out I, I, how gross I thought I was is. eating yeah.
0: newspaper. It, it was it was that bad and that disgusting. And so, anyways, um, going to that whole thing. And, and Nestle is like a big conglomerate and a huge food company. Um, and bo-
2: well, they were also accused of some pretty nasty stuff recently. But good
0: to see that they're. Um- you know, getting They into all Blantley's are and, and they're all getting realm. into it somehow. So it, it, think about it this way, like a lot of craft beers started out as, you know, like independent, you know, independently, and they make like beer, um, you know, at like a small brewery or something like that. Well, then a lot of them have been soaked up by either Miller or um, Anheuser-Busch they come along and they buy all of these mm-hmm. breweries because that was their competition. They were losing market share. So instead the best thing for them to do is just buy them up and keep them going. And now they're not losing market share and they could either kill the brand off or, or use the brand to their advantage. Nestle and other companies like, you know, Mondeley and craft and all that, they're are doing kind of like the same thing. So you're, you're going to see, I think more and more of that happen. I just hope that when it comes to that kind of stuff, at least they can leave it with some kind of nutritional value, you know, and, and have something at least Absolutely. that's good. If they could do that, at least they're they're on the on the right track. So, okay, we're we're beyond time here. Well, this was this was kind of a long show. I just think we enjoy each other's company way too much. So, uh, our thanks to Dotsy who was our guest today for Eric Rogers, Sarah Carlson. I am Rich Reynolds. We'll see you next time, guys.